Hello, and welcome to the Complete Mathematics Podcast, Teaching Together. I'm Dave Taylor, and today we're joined by my Complete Maths colleague, Kieran Mackle. Hi, Dave. Great to be back. What are we looking at today, Kieran? Calculating the duration of events involving units of time. And this objective is in Stage 3, Unit 9 of the Complete Mathematics Curriculum. You can access this objective and the whole curriculum made up of over 1,800 objectives for free at completemaths.com. Before we get going, head to completemaths.com forward slash podcast, where you can download the slide deck of tasks from today's episode. And once you've downloaded this, let's dive into teach, do, practice, behave. We've calculated the duration of events involving units of time. Before we teach pupils a new idea, we must be sure that we're doing the right maths. If we're not, and it's too easy or too hard, we run the risk of behaviour and motivation issues as pupils develop the idea that they're not a maths person or that they don't need to work hard, and neither of these two things are true. We can check that we're doing the right maths by assessing the prerequisite knowledge for this new mathematical idea. So Kieran, what are the prerequisites and how are we testing them? So there are, there are quite a few prerequisites because this is almost an all-encompassing objective. You know, we've spoken about how it's a bit of a mouthful, but it's trying to take into account that really we want pupils to be um, sort of flexible with a lot of prior knowledge. And so you're thinking about things like the teacher needs to make sure that pupils are already know how to tell the time both on an analog and 24-hour clock. Um, they should know that time can be measured in seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years, you know, things that they start learning about in stage one, perhaps even before informally. And um, they should also have seen and be able to read and interpret a calendar. Again, my youngest is five. He's working through Tudor and he started looking at the months of the year. And um, the only month he can remember is the month of his birth. So he remembers when he was born. And I ask, what's the first month of the year? And he says the, the month that he was born in. And I'm like, nope, not even <laughs> close. <laughs> yeah, so this is stuff that they've been doing for a while. Um, and then they need to learn how to apply this knowledge of time um, measurement to calculate the duration of events. So they have this understanding of time, how it works in lots of different ways. Because obviously, if you think about calendars and minutes and seconds, very different systems of measurement um, with lots of different key points. So, but we're going to take all that and we're going to put it into this sort of application of that knowledge, I think. Cool. And there's an activity on slide for three that uh, people can use to test those prerequisites. So now that we've assessed prerequisite knowledge and we know pupils are ready to learn the new idea, we're ready to teach. In the teach phase, the idea is entirely novel to pupils sitting just beyond their current level of understanding. The teacher shares key facts and uses metaphor and model to explain and describe so that pupils can meaning make and form connections with their current schema. So Kieran, when we're in the teach phase for calculate the duration of events involving units of time, and that is a mouthful, what models and metaphors are we going to use? So I think metaphors is a really good way to describe this because although it feels like time moves in a straight line, we know that it it possibly doesn't. Um, and so a more accurate description would be almost like this hourglass where you've got the point that you're at right now and you've got uh, all the possible pasts and all the possible futures um, sort of branching out and 
in both directions. Um, so with metaphor in mind, I think blank number line is going to be your friend here because you can at least demonstrate our sense of how time moves. So I think the blank number line is your friend because you will have situations where you know the start and the end and you need to work out the duration. You know the duration and the start and you need to work out the end or you need you know the end and the duration and you need to work at the, the start. And essentially you can represent um, the, the passage of time on this on this blank number line with, uh, with considerable flexibility because you are essentially in charge of how time moves on that on that number line. Um, and given the prerequisites, and um, like I said, it's time to be flexible with durations of events, apply our prior knowledge in a number of different ways. Um, but what's really important in the teach phase is that each set has its own distinguishing characteristics that we need to focus on. Um, for instance, when we're working with days and months, it's important to know how many days are in each month. And that's different from understanding um, time because it's in a different pace. Um, and you then need to work out um, when the hour changes. And so similar principles, but there's almost less consistency within um, within the calendar because we've got months of different lengths, if that makes sense. And so we need to bring this to pupil attention um, and then cycle through each set until pupils are comfortable with them all. And um, so you've got these broader principles where you're showing the passage of time, you're finding sort of key milestones, easily manipulable milestones. For instance, if I've got, uh, um, I think on the slide, the example I gave you was a 1650. How long is a program that lasts until 1825? Well, I know that 1650, that's 10 minutes to five o'clock. And then I can add an hour. And then, well, how, how much longer is it once I get to six o'clock or 1800? And um, before I, you know, get to 1825. And um, so it's thinking about all the different ways that pupils need to manipulate and then controlling the information we want them to focus their attention on. Like on those slides, I've asked them to focus on one tiny bit in the first example and then slightly more in the next one. But essentially they're getting this idea that they it's they're in charge of the jumps and it's their knowledge and understanding of time that will determine those jumps. And so you've got this tool that can work. You know, if I wanted to, I could jump in one minute segments, but that's not the most efficient way to do this. Um, so I'm giving people's experience of all the different contexts and giving them these general principles, I think, to um, help focus their attention because essentially this is a tool that will um, support them. Um, but it's also a really good metaphor for the underlying mathematics as well. Yeah, um, the two examples that you've given, um, they are uh, one which is time uh, in terms of uh, minutes and hours. And then the second is based upon um, a holiday and days. Um, I just wondered, speaking from a primary point of view, how do you remember how many um, how many days are in each month? I mean, I think every human on the planet will say the rhyme. <laughs> Certainly those, those in English-speaking countries um, very quickly and run through it. Um, but I think it's just a lot of time spent talking about these in informal in contexts. You know, like, for instance, I think a lot of this, a lot of time takes place at home or should take place at home. Mm -hmm. And so if that's not the case, 
then schools need to act as a surrogate. So we're thinking, you know, you know, so I mean, reception and early years um, teachers do this really well. They make a big deal about what day it is, what point that day is in the month and what point that month is in the year, because they understand that this is, you know, it's really, really formative uh, part of people's um, development as, as people. And so I think, yeah, you know, we've, we've got the rhyme to fall back on, but I think it's just about having those informal conversations much in the same way as if you have a year six people who can't tell the time, well, you just take every opportunity to ask them what time it is. And then they, and they look at the back of the room, at the clock, you know, and so that'd be me. But to this day, I will still go, no, 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 no. Oh yeah. I know how many. Yeah, me too. I'm not going to say on the podcast, but yeah, me too. So at this point, we're going to transition out of the teach phase and we're going to look for people's to do. And that's coming up next. Now that we've talked about the teach phase, let's talk about do. In the do phase, pupils are simply replicating what they've been shown and performing with this new idea. Performance is a poor indicator of learning, and we should state that in the do phase, meaningful learning probably hasn't yet occurred. The do phase complements the teach phase by allowing pupils to develop confidence and fluency in working with the new procedure. Teaching here is responsive, amending models or examples to make stronger connections in pupils' schema and also maintaining pupil motivation. The aim is for pupils to be successful in replicating the novel idea before we start to explore the idea in greater depth. So Kieran, what might a typical do phase look like? So I think that idea of responsiveness is key because you're going to provide opportunities to rehearse what's been modeled in the teach phase. But what this looks like will depend very much on the pupils you're working with, you know, because like I say, I want them to be in charge of the jumps that are made when they're solving these problems. I want them to be in charge of how they interpret the problem, you know, because for some, for some kids, it might be that we will, I, I can add the hours first, you know, and, or I can work with large chunks of them um, of time and um, quite flexibly, but it might be that, more scaffolding is needed. So for instance, if we look at the six questions we've got, we've got um, some some mixed practice. And it might be that we decide to add similar scaffold to the examples on the in the teach phase on the slide deck, because then we could put in some of the response and phase responsibility to the pupils. Um, but it might be that that comes in the form then of blocked practice where there's more consistency between the phasing. So for instance, we're we're moving from um, from timing in minutes and hours um, to uh, to days as part of months. Um, and it might be that we separate those if we're going to scaffold them. But we, we could say, okay, in the first question, it's 8.25. We've got this duration of two and a half hours. Well, we might put in the first hour maybe put a question mark in for the second bit and then a question mark for the end. Um, it depends, you know, I think it's about um, being flexible to what the people show you, but really I want them to come out of this phase fully aware that they're in charge. You know, um, I, I, after this point, I, I want them to think, okay, when I'm given a problem that involves the duration of time, I understand those durations and I understand that I'm the one making the decisions because ultimately 
you could ask 100 people how they would solve question one on, on, on slide six, and you might get 70 or 80 different responses. You know, it depends. So I want them to be in that position where they acknowledge that they understand all of this stuff really, really well. What am I going to do? Um, what am I going to do with that information? If that makes sense. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so here is just about replicating. So we've been responsive pupils by maybe writing this scaffolding in as we go. Maybe I could print this sheet off and I can I can write on the first 9.25 p.m., for example, so that pupils have, have a way in. Um, I did choose for the for the first question here to be um, more simple so that people's experience success. I think that's really important that anytime people do begin an activity, that they're successful with the first question, which maintains that motivation going forward. Yeah, I think it's really at the end, we've got this question underneath. And I think that almost is your is your lever for pushing people's on so you're asking them okay can you calculate using fewer jumps on the on the blank number line and then you've got this discussion about whether fewer jumps is actually beneficial or not because it might be that they've chosen a really efficient win and if you want them to work out just one jump well that's not actually going to help anybody is it you know so it depends so i, I think that, that question at the end you know underneath is um is, is key for the dialogue in the classroom and developing you know what's really going under the under the hood of our when our pupils are thinking yeah, so having worked through the teach and do phases and pupils have been successful in developing fluency, we're now going to segue into the practice phase. In the practice phase, pupils move beyond simply performing and begin to develop more flexible knowledge of the idea. Through the teach and do phases, pupils are now fluent with the idea, so we're now directing their attention to underlying structures, relationships and principles, bringing about strong connections with prior knowledge. We're looking for well-structured and intelligently designed tasks that will aid pupils in forming links with their existing schema. So, Kieran, what kind of activity might we use here? I think for me, there is quite a strong pull towards making the time durations extremely long. But that's not necessarily our friend here. I think we look at problems where calculations are necessary, you know, those similar to previous phases, but they're not maybe the primary focus of the questions. You know, things that are open to interpretation or have blurred lines around the times that things have taken place. You know, if we think about, I mean, I don't want to, jump into timetables because that would be the next objective if you're working through our curriculum but in timetables you will often find that there will be spaces where buses aren't running or some of the buses will take longer than others or, you know, some of the trains will take longer than others depending on which stops are stopping at and you've almost got to use this knowledge to make suitable inferences about the about what the timetable is telling you um, and what's possible, you know, someone arrives at, you know, at the docks at whatever time and they, you know, when's the next time, what's the earliest time they can get there. But you've got this gap before they can actually get on the, on the, on the, on the boat or the train or whatever. And, um, and it's about, can I take all this information, use it, but actually what's being asked isn't necessarily the primary um, focus of the question, you know? And so in our examples, 
we've got uh, we've got this comparison of of these times. So we have to go through the process of working out the durations, and um, but it's the comparison that's that's important, and it's not quite what the objective um, is exploring in particular. But it's an amalgamation of all the different things that uh, you know. It's this continual push on how how flexible can I be with my with my knowledge of time and durations. Yeah. So the activity on on slide seven is um, a case where two pupils, two kids, go to a pool um, of on six days last week. So you know their parents must be really supportive of them through holidays. They're there between two times, and what I've tried to do is I've tried to make each day become increasingly difficult culminating with Saturday where the times are given in the 24-hour clock. And hopefully at the end of this activity, pupils will begin to appreciate that the 24-hour clock is probably easier to calculate durations with because it looks more like um it looks more like subtraction rather than having to use a point at which we have to go from AM to PM, for example. So if we go from 11:30 AM to 1:15 PM, I want to add half an hour to get to noon before I then add 1.15 to get to 1.15 p.m. So that's one hour 45. Whereas when I'm looking at 11.30 to 13.15, that seems easier to calculate with. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's almost, it's almost It has this almost decimal appearance to it, doesn't it? I mean, I don't know if that's the, the mathematically accurate uh, way to describe this, but it, it yeah, I, th- I think, you know, certainly whenever I've been designing the questions, I've lent on 24-hour clock more than sort of analog and 12-hour um, because I think, yeah, there's this, you know, you can, you can see the connection a little bit more clearly, I think, you know. But that's just, you know, hypothetical supposition. So after pupils have assimilated the idea into their schema, forming strong connections between the novel idea and their existing knowledge, we're looking at them behaving mathematically. And that's next. We deepen understanding through behaving mathematically. And if our aim is to develop mathematicians, then this phase is the most important of all. When behaving mathematically, maturation matters. In this phase, tasks are chosen from well-embedded and mature ideas that connect to the novel idea. A good rule of thumb is that this kind of maturation takes two years. So we're looking for pupils to transition from specializing to conjecturing and generalizing, and through to analyzing and reasoning with a related idea from roughly two stages previous. Now, for calculate the duration of events involving units of time, the task on slide eight is what we might consider a behave task. Kieran, can you um, talk us through what that might be? So I think there are quite a few dependents which reference timetabling. Um, and, you know, it might be that we draw on these. You know, I mean, I can't remember if I mentioned them on Teaching Together podcast, but you've got them um, French decimal time as well, which is really good exploration of, uh, you know, obviously... In um, well, what would be eighteenth, nineteenth century France, they, you know, introduced um sort of the metric system, and at one point for a very short period of time, time was also metric, um, and so you've got this exploration of um of different time systems which you don't not necessarily get, um, but I think we should perhaps look a little further down that dependent chain, um, and look at the how can we utilize the underlying knowledge. An understanding when working with frequency tables. Um, 
and because you know this it is a dependent um and and the objective we're talking about today is a, is a prerequisite of that um but it's almost like you've got uh, the subsumption of a more finely detailed concept by a broader more general concept um and so i think in in this instance the um we we've got some fine detail understanding and you know ideas around time and durations and then but the broader idea of frequency within those instances sort of almost eats that idea so you've got this well-rounded idea of, of both um, and typically the general idea will come first and then the more specific idea will will come um, but I think this is one of those instances where you've got the subsumption um, the other way and um, I don't know it might be a stretch but I'm thinking about you know we want this level of maturity so whenever I'm on the, lucky enough to be on the podcast and I'm talking about this this behave phase I'm thinking about well how you know can we look at those less clear but perhaps equally important connections and I think frequency tables and the the mathematics in that stage um, might be well served by our understanding here even if not directly applicable yeah, the behave phase is something that when um, I read Teaching for Mastery and I came across Teach, Do, Practice, Behave as a format of phasing lessons, the behave phase is something that I did uh, struggle with and continue to wrestle with, if I'm if I'm totally honest. Um, and I do think that it's a good opportunity for us to bring sort of everything together and not just look at, um, you know, maybe here this could be just about lateness. Um, whereas here we're, we're bringing together lateness and the idea of the tally chart and frequency, when that pupils begin to develop mathematics as this interconnected web of ideas we can see on the platform. Yeah, and I think, I mean, we've been testing it out. I mean, we've done a few podcasts together, and I've been sort of pushing and prodding. You know, obviously everyone at the end of the episode has access to our email addresses, to our Twitter feeds. You know, if there's anyone out there and they're thinking, I'm not, I'm not entirely convinced that this you can stretch the boundaries this far, you know, that's the kind of conversation I want to have because I, I, I don't think behave should be all singing, all dancing all the time. The last couple of examples I've chosen have been sort of pretty rudimentary tasks, but when given a specific context, actually illuminate something in a way that you might not assume was possible and so yeah so I, you know definitely it's a conversation that i'm keen to be involved in and so if, I, if anyone does want to email or reach out on social media then absolutely go for it because uh, i think the better we understand this the better served our teachers will be in supporting all pupils in in behaving mathematically because ultimately that's that's our 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 aim isn't it Well, that's it for this episode of Teaching Together. Remember that you can check out the entire curriculum, that's over 1,800 objectives, for free at CompleteMaths.com. We hope that you've taken a lot from this episode, and if you've got any questions, comments, or thoughts, don't hesitate to get in touch on Twitter. My handle is at TaylorDA01. And mine is at Kieran underscore M underscore Ed. Or you can get in touch with the Complete Maths team on at LaSalle Ed. We're also available via email. I'm Dave at CompleteMaths.com. 
And I'm kieranacompletemass.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on your chosen podcast provider. And please feel free to pass the pod to both colleagues and friends so that we can all improve our teaching together. Until next time, take care. Bye.